This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hey, 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 welcome to this latest episode of Sustainable-ish. I am going to try my very best not to cough and splutter my way through this intro as I'm fighting off the first of the winter colds. Luckily though, I recorded this episode back in September, not long after the kids had gone back to school, but it's taken me this long to get my act together and get this episode edited and out for you. Now, in this episode, I'm talking to Vicky Smith, who is the founder of sustainable travel company Earth Changers. And we're chatting about all things eco, responsible, conscious, sustainable travel. We dive into what each of those terms means, what the difference is, and ask the question whether travel can ever be truly sustainable. Because before this interview, my own thoughts around travel were to simply travel less, reducing air travel holidaying in the UK, these all felt like sacrifices that were sort of doable for us to help protect the planet. So I was really kind of fascinated to learn that sustainable travel or responsible travel isn't just about making our travel have a less negative effect, if that's the correct English, but it's about making sure that our travel has a positive impact. And it never really occurred to me that our travel could have a positive impact rather than just a a less negative one. Now, as with any sustainability issue, it is complex and there are no black and whites, no absolutes, but this chat has certainly given me a lot of food for thought and has made me reconsider travel. And if I'm honest, it's kind of allowed me to get a little bit excited to think about the adventures that could be awaiting us with a little bit of research and some careful thought. So I'd love to hear what you think. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jen. How are you? Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, the kids are back at school. It's <laughs> take a breath and get back on it. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we'll start off, as always, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Earth Changers? Yeah, sure. My name's Vicky and I'm the founder of Earth Changers. Um, and Earth Changers, I promote the ver- some of the very best positive impact what we call transformative sustainable tourism worldwide and what that means is tourism which isn't just about minimizing negative impacts but it's about maximizing positive impacts and that be economically environmentally socially and when we say transformative tourism what that means is it's transformative for both the hosts and the communities but also the guests in terms of sort of personal development and the learning that they go through and the experience that they go through while they're there. So it can be just a beautiful, wonderful holiday with a lot of sustainability stuff going on behind the scenes, 
or it can be something where you get much more hands-on, um, possibly a little bit of volunteering, that kind of thing. So it just depends, really. I love that because in my head, when I think about sustainable travel or sustainable tourism, it's very much about um, what you said, reducing the negative impacts. Mm. It hadn't really occurred to me hugely to think that actually sustainable travel can have very positive impacts on the both on the communities that you visit and also on you as a person so I think that's absolutely fabulous and tell me what your tagline is on the website because I love that oh it's life-changing places and world-changing people for extraordinary experiences with purpose actually yeah oh um, yeah I mean they're really special places we deal with um you know places worldwide all fragmented all uniquely owned all uniquely run um, but whose absolute core, absolute heart, absolute purpose has been to support the places and people that they work with and where they are. And how um, do you find um, all these places then? Oh, you see, therein comes the experience and from 23 years of tourism working, basically. <laughs> um, a lot of them, are, I meet them at travel shows because I'm at the travel shows. Um, the, the challenge is... And, part of the reason I created Earth Changers is being able to discern what's truly sustainable and what's not. Mm. Um, because a lot of people come out with nice taglines and they can't really back it up. So it's about my knowledge and experience being able to apply it to these places and say, right, which ones do I want to promote as the very best in the world? And that doesn't mean say they're five star. I mean, they might be five star or they might be spit and sawdust. And in time, obviously, I want to develop a whole range of different budgets, but it's about the ones that create the best, serious, sustainable, positive impacts. So there's there's so many things I want to pick up on there. Did um, Do you get to visit all these places? Is there's a brilliant excuse for you to go and visit them all? Uh, I can probably visit all of them. I have visited most of them so far on the site. Um, it's going to get a bit challenging time-wise with work soon. Um and what tends to happen in tourism is, uh, you, you know, they would absolutely host me, but I have to be able to get there and pay for the flights. Mm. So I'm very conscious, obviously, of my travel myself and sort of if I'm to go and see Brazil, for example, that I want to go and see, I don't know, five, ten yeah. places while I'm there, basically, and sort of condense it in. And that then starts to require quite significant time away. Um, this is not a job. I mean, I've had to make big sacrifices in my life to do this. It's not a job you can easily do if you've, you're a mother and you, you know, got mm. family or have you in commitments. Um, and that time away is also very difficult um, for all the talk of nomadic lifestyles and remote working. If you're working in travel, when you're on the road and trying to write and things like that, actually, it's really challenging. It's quite tough. Yes. Um, Earth changes itself work. Are you almost like a travel agent? I could come to you and say... I want to visit Africa or Kenya and I want to do it uh, responsibly. Um, what do I need to do? How does it, yeah, how does it work? Because we, pr- we promote some of the very best. So we don't just deal with everything. Um, unfortunately, I've got so many places I want to get live on the site and I'm somewhat constrained by my own resources of doing it. Um, so I'm not, uh, a travel agent or a tour operator in terms of the um, UK legal system. Right. I'm, a, I'm more um, an introductory agent. Oh, okay. So I'm an agent for the suppliers. So what I do is I can advise people and I can suggest. And then when they come to book, they book directly with the plan. Right. Yeah. The reason I do that is I want the money to go directly into destinations. Uh-huh. And most tour ops or travel agents take quite a large margin. Okay. It means a lot of the money sits in this country rather than going where it should. Yeah. So I wanted to turn that model on its head, really. 
and so um, I'm more of an affiliate if we're talking business model. Oh, okay. So they, you get. But I will advise. Right. Yeah. What I'll do is someone comes to me and they ask. I will um, listen what they want because actually it's the odd word sometimes. It's like, oh, okay, that's going to suit them, or that's not going to suit them, or whatever it happens to be, and. I can help filter down to the product that's right. Right. And once they're at a point in time, they're ready to book. That's when I then pass them on to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So could you help somebody put together like an itinerary and that kind of thing and, and with different stopovers and things like that and recommendations? Yeah, potentially. Okay. Um, and quite often the, the actual um, partners I work with in destinations, because they're the real destination experts, um, they often do that as well oh brilliant so if they if someone's going for three days to the xyz lodge yeah they, they will know what's around there or what else they could do or what's sure. common or that kind of thing so yeah. often they and that's and that's why actually i want the money to go to them as well because they're much better at the logistics yeah. and the travel in their own countries much better than me and quite yeah. often some of the places i deal with you know they are a bit remote sometimes or they're a bit more um logistically tricky to get to because they're they're eco tourism yeah so yeah so and this is might sound like a bit of an obvious question, but why is it important to you that we travel sustainably or responsibly? Um, from my experience, um, because I worked in mass market and because I'm now into sustainable tourism, I've seen what mass market travel negatively does. And basically, when you're making decisions in mass market operations and when they're for-profit decisions, you're not considering the community or the conservation of a place. So you're making a decision purely on the basis of what makes the most money. Mm-hmm. And that money stays in this country. And what happens is people abroad then don't get to see, in the communities don't get to, to, to see that money. But m- more than that, they're not getting to make those decisions. And it's their destinations. So it completely disempowers them to actually have any say over how their destinations are run. Mm-hmm. It completely disempowers them over to who's arriving, what they've been told, what's going to happen. And so this is where we get this build-up of what we've seen in recent years, mass um, over-tourism happening. Because all these other people are, make, are making decisions based on this place when it's not really their place to decide that for. Mm. And so um, that, that, those negative impacts can be on people that live in the destination because they're suddenly overwhelmed with tourism, or it can be on environment and wildlife. Mm-hmm. So... Um, let, we, we, we mentioned earlier volunteer tourism and that, that's a great case in point because people often think volunteer tourism will always be there to help whatever people are doing to volunteer. And in actual fact, in my experience, and I wrote my master's thesis on this, um, 90 to 95% of volunteer tourism is negative impact. It's not wow. positive impact. It's hideous. It's because organizations exist to make money out of it right and so people are exploited financially what happens is that creates a demand so from there's a western demand as we talked about earlier um for helping in orphanages but all that does is create a western demand for orphanages and that creates demand for orphans so what happens is um somewhat unscrupulous middlemen in destinations and you know destinations known for it sort of nepal and cambodia and ghana um will literally go out to, to families who can't support their own kids, saying, we'll take your kids and we'll support them, we'll house them, we'll clothe them. They use those kids then to garner uh, volunteer money or donations. They put them in intentionally dilapidated buildings to make it 
to, to you know appeal to Western guilt more. And so the kids who've then been separated from their families, and by the way, I think the percentage is something like eighty five percent of orphanages in orphans aren't orphans. Wow. Hmm. Um, the kids have been separated from their families. They're already got sort of psychosocial problems going on with that and then they just get this hamster wheel of volunteers and they get what's called a sort of attachment attachment. yeah they can never form attachments to yeah exactly so and then what happens is they get older inevitably they probably end up in the streets and drugs and prostitution etc um and it's it's all because of a western demand for volunteering i mean it's just awful wow that's the sort of negative impact i mean that's that's obviously an extreme extreme example but even in tourism where there is a demand and some travel company says we will support your demand without thinking about the local people in place that's the sort of thing that can happen Mm. albeit some people might have good intentions to begin with so what you really have to look at with sustainable tourism it's not about the intention but it's about impact what's actually what's it actually creating what's going on in that world yeah and the reason tourism is so important um for this sort of thing is tourism represents 10 percent of the world's jobs roughly 10 11 percent and 10 percent of the world's gdp and so, particularly in, in less developed countries, tourism is the, in their top three industries, if not their top industry. It reaches all the corners of most countries, apart from probably war-torn. So there is no other sector quite like it to be able to impact the whole world. Yeah. Because extractive industries, they might be, um, you know, there might be value in that, but it doesn't, there's not so many people employed. Yeah. It's not yeah. so many, it doesn't affect so many places. And so tourism is really, really the sort of main sector that infiltrates almost the whole world. Yeah. So that's why it can have such a positive or a negative impact because, you know, something like volunteer tourism, which is a huge, huge sector, um, with 90% of it negatively impacting, it's, it's affecting millions of people negatively worldwide. It's, it's not that's good. That's totally bonkers. And I didn't even know, probably had I thought about it, I would have known volunteer tourism existed, but... So these terms, kind of ecotourism, responsible tourism, sustainable tourism, volunteer tourism, Mm -hmm. do they all essentially kind of mean the same thing and it's kind of making sure your travel is doing good stuff? Or how do you see it? Kind of. There is is, um, separate definitions and actually I have a very handy blog page on my (laughs) website. We'll link to it. Yeah. Um, Ecotourism is a bit different because actual proper ecotourism is about positive impact nature-based tourism. Right. And so responsible tourism can be any tourism, not just nature-based. It can be, and any tourism can be more or less sustainable. Right. So cruise can be more or less sustainable, although it's my particular, it can be more sustainable, hopefully one day, yes, please. Um, You know, glamping or skiing, any of these things. So so responsible tourism isn't a type of tourism. Okay. What we call it is it's a decision-making process. So it's about considering tourism decisions when you're a tourism company or organisation. It's about taking those tourism decisions and thinking about it on an economic and social and um, environmental basis. It's that whole triple bottom line, isn't it? It's the whole triple bottom line. So basically, responsible tourism is a triple bottom line decision-making process. Right. Brilliant. Versus tourism, which is just generally profitable. Yeah. And tourism represents 10% of the world's jobs roughly 10 11 percent and 10 percent of the world's gdp and so particularly in in less developed countries tourism is the in their top three industries mm-hmm. if not their top industry it reaches all the corners of most countries apart from probably war-torn 
So there is no other sector quite like it to be able to impact the whole world. Okay. Because, you know, people will say, is sustainable tourism ever really possible? Um, At the moment, probably not because of aviation fuel, but hopefully in time when when we're able to carbon neutral and we're able to consider much more carefully and cleverly the social impacts Uh um, and environmental impacts, other environmental impacts. Yeah. Then, then we can look at it being actually much more sustainable. Mm. Yeah, fab. Now, from what you've already said, it sounds like there is um, more than a degree of, I don't know how to put it, dishonesty. And like in the sustainability field, we would call it greenwashing, but it sounds like there is a kind of responsible tourism washing or some kind of thing like that. So how do we, yeah. how do we spot that? How do we spot the greenwashing? How do we spot the fact that this isn't a proper volunteering opportunity and this is exploiting people? Yeah, it's quite tricky. Um, we call it greenwashing as well. Okay, cool. so it, I, I mentioned my thesis earlier about um, uh, volunteer tourism. Oh. So what I wrote about was the online marketing and greenwashing of volunteer tourism. And as a user, can you possibly tell the difference? Yeah. You can, I think, but it's very tricky and you've got to really know what you're looking for. And so in tourism, when I'm looking at, you know, something, tourism is, if you like, a a recipe of ingredients and all the things that make up that recipe, all the ingredients that make up that recipe are transport, hotel, that's its design, its energy, its water, its waste, its employment, its supply chain, its food sorry, food, food procurement, yeah. other services, linen, cleaning, housekeeping, yeah. all these things. And sustainability comes into all of those and that responsible tourism decision comes into all of those. It's not just profit-led. And so all these aspects is what makes up responsible tourism or sustainable tourism and all of those aspects may or may not be greenwashed. Right. So for, for your average consumer to go, what's going on with mm. all these things it's it's pretty challenging and there's an awful lot of companies do come out with um great statements about how how lovely they are for the community um but really top line from a from a customer perspective is you know they're not going to be able to com- consider all those things like i do and that's i mm. mean ultimately that's the whole reason earth changes exist i want to promote the very best sustainable positive impact stuff mm. And I'm able with my background to be able to say, these are them and this is yeah. why I understand it and worked in it for a long time and studied it. So your average consumer doesn't. And yeah, they don't have a thesis. In. <laughs> no, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, top line, if someone is able to back up a claim with evidence, then obviously there's something a bit more about that. Right. If they come out with a claim and there's no there's no data evidence behind that, whether it's about community conservation, or whatever, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to take that too seriously. So, what kinds of questions should we be asking when we're either of companies, if we're emailing with queries, or kind of of ourselves when we're looking at websites and things? Um, all of those things I mentioned, you've got to be looking at, at their employment practices, at their at their waste management practices, at, at what they say about their energy use, about their water right. use, about how they employ um, the genders, um, looking at their supply chain. If they're upfront about stuff, and mm. you know, some will have reports on their websites if you look for it, but not necessarily all. Um, and unfortunately, we're in a in a position in the sector whereby some um, lodges, tours, whatever, feel it would alienate customers to publish that information. Right. 
So um, they tend to do the nice pretty bit um, and then sort of hide away the actual sustainability information. Right. So that probably doesn't help, you know, um, consumers understand. And what I'm trying to do with earth changes is, is be very transparent about all these types of um, yeah. things that are going on so that people start to understand what, what to look for. Yeah. Um, there are what we call accreditations and certifications. Um, however, I do would sort of like um, advise not to just hold those, to just go by those because right. what can happen is they can be expensive to run through these types of programs. Okay. So it can be that just lodges with money, for example, yeah. get it as the nice little PR thing. And the ones that who are really the very sustainable ones don't necessarily have the money to do that. Yeah, and this is the same as kind of organic and fair trade, isn't it? Exactly. Does, because you don't have it, doesn't necessarily. And the trouble with tourism is because it's worldwide, because it's all in different countries, because you have to consider different local needs, and because there's all these different types of tourism, ski, cruise, mm -hmm. whatever, we have around 150 different certifications and accreditations now. Oh, wow. And not even the industry knows all of that. Not even I can name yeah. them. I can probably name the top 10, 20 or something, you know, off the top of my head. But consumers never going to understand. And they're yeah. never going to know actually genuinely, truly what's really good and what's not. And is it the kind of thing as well that a big company, a big travel company with a lot of money can I kind of um, create their own certification process yeah. and think themselves, you know, yeah, kind of or whatever. And yeah, that's true. And you've got to look for the neutrality of that. And you've got to look for sure. third party auditing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So there is a, we do have an industry body called the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, right? which is, a, is like a standard of standards, really. <laughs> so it's come along to try and police the standards to oh, say yeah. you, you all need to come in line because it's too confusing. Yeah. So, um, so I do, you know, I do include those on my website where our suppliers have them, but my, my, um, I wouldn't preclude a supplier just because they didn't have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Because you can't judge it just merely by that. But yeah. they, they do help sort of understand what you need to look for yeah um, so the yeah the question is i mean any any website go and have a look if they're actually talking about the sustainability because if, yeah. if sustainability is important to a place hopefully they will be talking about it yeah and then what you just have to do is be extremely um sort of quite critical in your approach to them and when they've talked about various things just say what's what's the evidence behind that what's the yeah. data behind that where do you get that from how do you decide that you know mm. Um, and generally, if you ask difficult questions, um, good organisations reply. Yes. Yeah. And, and openly and honestly. And organisations who aren't so um, challenged by it, uh, sorry, are challenged by it, yes. probably avoid it. Yeah. Just a sort of natural reaction. Yeah. And when I, when I wrote my master's, because volunteer tourism is such a... It's very sensitive because it's in theory so do good, but the right. possibility isn't. And there's an awful lot of people making a lot of money unscrupulously from it. I was actually the, the first student at Leeds, um, now back at university, to be threatened with litigation over the thesis. Wow. Yeah, which was fun. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. it's quite serious legal stuff. Because like I big tobacco and big oil and yeah, and I was able to do that because I've got a background in in not just tour operating and web marketing. I understand from a website how things are happening behind the scenes in a way that other people won't. Right, I can ask very difficult questions probably from my understanding of it, and I'd worked in volunteer tourism, so I completely understood how it all fit in. So, just as a very sort of top line understanding, what I did there was I would look at the home pages, I would look at the 
policy pages of the particular organizations. I would look at all their product pages and I would look to look where things don't add up, where things right. aren't aligned. When, when sustainability is not at core, things don't align because they say different things in different ways. Right, yeah, yeah. And when you start to get this sort of incongruence, it's like, okay, what's really going on there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, I asked some very difficult questions um, of some very big organizations making a lot of money and they didn't like it very much. <laughs> And so we did publish. It, it got published in the Journal of Sustainable Tourism. Um, but in order to get published, we had to anonymise the company names, which was fine because actually what that did was say, here's the principles behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, all the journalists at the time wanted me to name all the bad guys. <laughs> um, and I refused, but I named the good ones. Oh, well done. Yeah. Um, what's that? Uh, something of a mission, isn't it? You, you know that <laughs> they're not named. You can uh, read into that. So you talked... Um, a little bit earlier about you know this concept of truly sustainable travel and at the moment in terms of air uh, flights and that kind of thing it, yeah. it isn't and that's one of the things that puts me off traveling is that that carbon footprint so mm. as travelers what are the steps that we can take to to reduce or to limit our carbon footprint yeah and I think um I'm, I'm hopefully bringing a bit of perspective I think personally aviation does get a bit of a bad reputation um I'm not saying that just because I work in travel, but I'm saying that based on the data. Okay. So travel as a whole is about now 8% of carbon impacts worldwide okay. out of all industries. Yeah. And so what we have to do is say, okay, let's think about that in terms of other things we may do to reduce our carbon um, mm. footprint, which might be uh, giving up meat, for example. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, all those other big things, not having a car, one thing, you know, people will often challenge someone over travel, but they won't say, well, are you going to stop having children? Yes. Um, yeah. So it's less than that. Okay. Um, that's not to say it's not terrible and not to say it shouldn't be better, but 8% overall for travel. Um, but in terms of leisure travel and aviation, aviation is about 40%. So aviation is probably 3% of global carbon impacts. So that, that travel 8%, that's including going to work, going... That's any uh, yes, that? I think so. I think it's, um, it's a good question. Um, it's, but it, it, certainly as an industry, it's including accommodation and transportation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and things like that. So I just know that aviation is 40% of that 8%, roughly. Okay, cool. Um, now, so if that's about 3%, therefore, and actually because aviation fuel burns at altitude and it can have a magnifying effect, basically, at altitude on carbon footprint. Right. Um, so let's say it's 4%, but it's not, I think people think it's like 80% yeah. of world emissions or whatever. Oh. And it's, it's industries, the big ones and things yes. and agriculture and things like this. So it is a big issue. The airlines are working on reducing that impact, mm. but they're probably about 10 years away from, so from do that. you think that it is possible that air travel will, could be carbon neutral? Yes. Wow! In the future, I do. I wish they'd how, all, how could that I wish they'd all bloom and work together and make it a bit quicker. Yeah. That doesn't seem <laughs> to be happening. Uh, so is that like? Um, I mean, there has been that guy who serpent. Well, exactly. There has been a solar circumnavigation already. Yeah, uh, albeit in a very small passenger plane. Yes. So the, the issue we have is that you know consumer luggage is rather heavy, and we have yeah. to shift a lot of people at the same time. Um, so, what you can do in terms of reducing your own flying impact is I mean I would say cut unnecessary aviation where where you're not ever going to create necessarily a positive impact particularly on a community for example mm -hmm. 
I see an awful lot of people still doing one day flights in Europe for business meetings. I mean, right. to me, that's just crazy. A, don't do it, do it on Skype. Yes, sometimes it helps to meet people, but spend a bit longer with them in that case. Um, get the train. You know, I really wish that our trains were really much more subsidised or mm. supported to be, the minute trains are cheaper than flights, people will take yes. them, you know. Yeah. No brainer, completely. Um, you can fly more efficiently. So you can look at, so economy, for example, is more efficient on carbon footprint than first class. That makes me feel much better about my poor space. Yeah, it's because the space you take up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The space per passenger is a lot smaller in economy than than in the higher classes. Yeah. So um, your your carbon impact per passenger basically is less. Okay. Like that. Um, Airlines, more modern airlines fly more efficiently in terms of carbon than the older ones. Okay. Um, Is that just because of newer models of planes and that kind of thing? Exactly, and the way they burn their fuel. Um, I'm yeah. not, certainly no expert on that. Um, but even the time of day and the month, wow. the climate and weather can affect how much aviation yeah. fuels burn and things like that. I do have a blog on this on my site, and that goes into the details there, and I'm not best Brilliant. at remembering some of those uh, very... And one, of, one of the things I read was to try and um, limit stopovers, because it's the taking off and... Yeah, that's true. Taking off and landing is, is, is a great um, burner of fuel, definitely. So it's probably as you know, as innovation helps develop airlines to do those longer flights without stopping, then that's going to help as well. Yeah. So all of these things are sort of helping, but more if we can take the train, take a bus, cycle, walk, that yeah. reduces aviation. Um, and also, but then if you're going to fly, and, and my argument is to not, you know, for, for sustainable tourism, sustainable tourism, as we talked about before, is so important to some destinations. It's literally their lifeline. Mm. jobs and income and supporting their conservation supporting species you know conservation in africa which is always a big issue Mm. um, in the news recently with botswana and elephants there's not the money to support that anti-poaching units unless you've got tourism right yeah tourism you know helps all of these matters so if you take away the flights you're taking away mm. half the world's species probably supported by tourism right now whatever you know a significant number so, so tourism is important. Um, so as well as looking at your own flying, just look at make sure when you do go somewhere, yeah. you're having that positive impact when you go. Yeah. Low carbon impact accommodation. It means low carbon impact eating. It means supporting local businesses. Yes. Um, it means making sure they've got local procurement so it's not lots of food miles. Um, reducing waste it's zero waste week this week um, yeah. writing a blog today all about zero waste in hotels oh brilliant i'm writing it from a hotel environmental management perspective right so that consumers can understand what hotels can and should be doing oh okay yeah feedback to them if they don't see them doing it saying yeah, hey, yeah, sort it out um so yeah local chain so I think coming back to the initial point, you know, tourism has got a bit of a bad reputation in terms of negative impacts when in actual fact, the potential for positive impacts is much, much greater. Yeah. Just about ensuring that consumers choose the right things. And that's hard to do because as we said earlier, tourism isn't like a simple black and white thing, Mm. balance of many, many things getting right on sustainability. Yeah. Um, And it's a huge, a lot of my, you know, work right now is about helping educate, and engage the consumer in those discussions. Yeah. So if we are going to fly, um, then I guess the the almost the very worst thing we can do is fly to, as you said, one of these kind of all-inclusive resorts where 
um, you never leave the resort, that everything's probably flown in from, you know, using big chains of um, well-recognized brands and foods and that kind of thing. If we are going to invest that carbon almost in flying to make sure that when, where we get to it at the end has a positive impact. Exactly, yeah. And so that's going back to what you first asked me when I got into it. My seed that was sown is I stayed yeah. in one of those places, you know. And I was working, the company I was working for at the time, Teletext, I went round the, the pool and I quizzed all the um, guests on how they'd booked and what brought them there. And I, I, was, I felt terrible. Mm. And that, that woke me up very seriously to sustainable tourism. And the understanding yeah. that outside of those all-inclusive walls is a beautiful country of enormous poverty potentially and the division between the wealth inside and the inequality outside to me was just shocking yes. yeah you know, and i'm very driven by equalizing equalities sure. be, it, be it wealth be it gender be it access to education yeah. food water yeah, sanitation. Yeah, yeah. so i'm very very driven by the sustainable development goals and, yeah. and really tourism which is used as a vehicle to help support proper sustainable development yeah now in terms of flying one of the things we've all heard of is carbon offsetting and i think it you know it can be a very easy tool to assuage your conscience or your guilt to just kind yeah. of buy an extra five quid on your ticket price or whatever um is it a worthwhile thing to do does it work are there accredited ways of doing it that you know it's actually doing what it says it's doing that was lots of questions in one so. <laughs> right. yes. uh, I'm not a big fan I admit okay um largely because what you just said it assuages guilt yes so what happens is it's a band-aid so people think oh, I've done that it's all right hmm. not a solution yeah. it's just a band-aid and yeah. um it detracts from the real problem and so long as it detracts from the real problem, people aren't focusing then on actually addressing real solutions. Right. And so for me, it appeases the guilt, but it's only really scratching the surface. And of the carbon offsetting um, schemes that exist, there was a, a European study done a couple of years ago. Um, it was shown that 85% don't work. Wow. So given that only 15% work of a Band-Aid solution, mm. um, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan. Okay. And I'm not a big fan because, you know, for example, re, replanting forests... Um, does not make sense to me when you're chopping down the oldest primary rainforest in the world. Yeah. If you chop down the oldest primary rainforest in the world, you're destroying orangutan habitats, many other species habitats. So you're killing those species as well. And it's not just about the actual carbon or what have you. Mm. So, um, you know, new doesn't replace old. Right, yeah, and yeah. What yeah. we need to do is actually protect and prevent the deforestation in the first place that's got big old carbon sinks in it which yeah. are actually much more valuable to keep in terms of carbon f- offsetting sure. if you like, than it does. So what I recommend on my blog is um, there's a couple of organisations. Um, the UN has a programme called RED, which is R-E-D-D. Okay. And that refers to the conservation and sustainable management of forests and enhancing existing carbon stocks in forests yeah. and carbon sinks. Um, and there's a couple of um, organisations... Um, that I recommend one is called the World Land Trust and one is called Cool Earth they're both endorsed by Attenborough and what that does is protect the existing carbon sinks in the forest basically when I was interviewing Good Energy the renewable energy company they have um, they carbon offset their gas and I was really interested because in my head carbon offsetting is planting trees which is lots of the projects that you've referred to Um, and they did it in ways that were um, kind of positive impact projects and um, 
So reducing the carbon dependence of communities in the third world that might be burning wood or coal and that kind of thing. So I was just really surprised that you could carbon offset almost in that way. And that makes so much more sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, There's some interesting projects in tourism, particularly with regards to cooking um, and making sure that people, um, you know, they often use sort of wood burning stoves and things like that. And it's and and it can be quite, um, you know, affect their health negatively. Yes, because it's all indoors. Exactly. So it's about um, changing their 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 habits, which are, you know, ingrained for centuries, potentially um, to different ways of of using fuels and things. So, yeah, there are different ways. the study I mentioned that looked at all the different offsetting things for flights uh, did look at a whole variety of projects. Okay. Yeah, and they just did find that the vast majority didn't work, basically. But maybe uh, the 15% that do are the ones that actually are more interested in, in community development stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I think my, my, my favourite approach is to support um, buying up land and protecting it, basically. Okay. Yeah. Fab. That's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned it's Zero Waste Week as we're recording this, yeah. and you're going to do your Zero Waste Week tips for hotels, but plastic is really high on the agenda, yeah. um, thanks to David Attenborough, largely. Um, when we're travelling, it can be really easy, or it can be more difficult, let's say, to go with the, the habits that we might have developed at home. So have you got some tips that for us to reduce our plastic usage when we're... Yeah, and, and actually, it's... It, like you said, it, it's easy to fall, sort of fall into bad habits. And if we, have, if we make the habits at home, actually, we can probably carry on yes. when we go away. Um, so it's the same things. It's, you know, I, I, I have another blog on my site called The Five R's for Sustainable Tourism. Oh, brilliant. Instead of three R's, it's five R's. Yes. Refuse, reduce, reuse, repurpose, and recycle. Fab. So refuse plastic packaging, like where it's on fruit, just don't buy it. Yeah. Drawers, single-use sachets in restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one in tourism I do mention um, is wet wipes. Yeah. I appreciate many of your audience might be mums and they're super, super handy, but they don't decompose and they clog up everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. However, um, whether it's in London or, or water system somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just use a flannel instead, basically. <laughs> you know, just Yeah, there's a company um, I've been trialling called Cheeky Wipes and they have a a bag specifically designed to go out and about and you, it comes in like two compartments so a clean and a dirty so you can just wet some some of the wipes or the you know the reusable wipes or just old flannels right clean bit and then once you've you know if you're using it for faces and hands and that kind of thing that we do when we're out and about then it can just go in the dirty thing and then the whole thing just unzips and goes in the washing machine you know, so many of these solutions are just actually our old-fashioned ways of doing things yes exactly yeah yeah reduce um you know something i've done that i'm i'm I think finally proud of is I don't travel with any liquids now. Okay. So all I've I've reduced my plastic when I travel just by having everything in bars. Okay. Food, conditioner, body wash, um, coconut oil for moisturizer, things yeah. like that. So when this is this is um, getting into a bit of nitty gritty detail. When you're travelling with soap, how do you stop it going mushy and just making a massive mess of your wash bag? Um, I keep it in a tin. Okay. And trying to keep it dry. Yeah. Drain it before it goes back in its tin or what have you. Okay. Um, but yeah. And you can get tins from places like Lush and... and yeah, you can, yeah. And um, yeah, that's probably it really. I, okay. I find that I have less problems than if I'm actually carrying, if I was carrying liquids. And the other beauty of it, if you're only doing hand luggage, so if you're only doing a short trip or a, you know, a localist trip um, where you're flying, 
Um, you can obviously only normally take 100 mils yes. liquids when you fly. So with bars, you can just, you take what you need, you know? Yeah. So that's all good. Um, so reuse, same thing as here, bags, cups, water bottles. Yeah. Um, water's the big one, actually. Someone like say bar- some people, I've, I've seen some people say, oh, it's fine to take an empty water bottle in your um, bag and then fill it up on the other side. Um, yeah. But sometimes I think these refill stations on the other side aren't particularly obvious. Do most airports have them? They should have them. And, you know, cafes will um, refill if you are, okay. um, and restaurants and things. If they don't, just go somewhere else. Yeah. Someone that does. I mean, I think it is something that needs some more signage and some yeah. more work to involve. Um, you know, we've got various schemes like Refill HQ where yes. uh, retailers um, advertise the fact that you can refill there. At the end of the day, it brings them more business in other ways. So I don't see that why they would not yes. do this. But I think too many people have made too much money for too long out of plastic yeah, water bottles, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but somewhere like Bali, I mean, water bottles are a really serious problem in, um, in many places in the world. Um, partly because they don't have, if they haven't got the water systems themselves to be able to drink from taps like we do, they have historically bought in plastic water bottles. Right. And so a lot of the work that needs doing is actually on water infrastructure behind yeah. the scenes that prevents them having to have water, plastic water yes. bottles. And then tourism adds to that. And then what happens is they don't have the refuse collection to be able yeah. to handle them or recycle them or anything like that. And in Bali, it's a really big problem. It's, you know, water bottles have got into their whole water infrastructure system, clogging up their whole sewage wow. and the whole drainage and everything. I mean, it's just a very known problem out there. Um, so you start to get into those issues with tourism. Um, and yeah, I mean, tourism is infrastructure. It's a lot to do with that. So, so if, you, if you go somewhere where they don't have safe, drinking water in the same way that we do over here are there ways to minimize it i mean i'm guessing you know buying the biggest bottle that you can and using that to refill your refillable bottle or yeah and um, i mean a lot, a lot of suppliers for example that i deal with they will provide filtered water bottles okay. and they often provide flasks or, or refillable bottles for, for customers to use um i actually have on my website um, i have a partnership with water to go and we have a 15 percent discount code um, and their bottles aren't just water bottles. They're actually what they call water filtration systems. They actually filter 99.9% of all dodgy contaminants, etc. Oh, yeah. in the world. So they're amazing, amazing, you know, filter yeah. sort of if you're in developing country, for example, which is why I partner with them because a lot and have of you, have you used them and been okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, live, I live on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, they're really good. Um, so if anyone wants a discounted water to go bottle, I'll, we can post the link on that one. Brilliant. So water to go. And yeah, yeah we'll post that link. We'll post all yeah. that. Because it sounds like you've got so much good stuff on your... Um, yeah, lots. Been, been busy writing away. Yeah. Um, and then repurposing. We're on to our f- other R's. Repurposing and recycling. Repurposing. You know, it's just like old jeans into shorts. You know, yes. not, you don't have to buy a whole new wardrobe when you go on holiday and those sorts of things. And yeah. um, recycling. I mean, something I love about developing countries is they're so incredibly entrepreneurial. Right. So often you get places that, they, you know, they make they sort of become the local cultural thing to make a certain thing out of a tin can or whatever right. it happens to be. And um, it's, it's really great to see, you know, if you're going to buy souvenirs, mm. buy something like that from, from a local artisan, you know, who's, who's being entrepreneurial and making something out of something that yeah. exists, what have you. Um, it's all good fun. And talk, yeah, talk and about it some way, you know, um, just, just to say, if you know, if, if customers don't, for example, see a recycling facility in a hotel or bins, if they ask, 
And if enough customers ask yeah. and hotels don't have it, the hotels will eventually say, right, how are we going to do this? Because yeah. often they don't do it because the municipal services aren't there. Mm-hmm. But many of the um, suppliers I work with on Earth Changers have created the municipal services. They are the ones who have been the drivers behind actually saying we need to do this as a as a valley for example the guys i'm working with in morocco at the moment you know they created a whole valleys uh, recycling facility basically wow it's tourism that often drives it um yeah it's really important that customers if they don't find what they want and need for something like that then yeah do ask you know do and i think it's really easy to underestimate our power you know just by asking the question or saying why don't you have this or not in an accusatory way but you know it would be great if you had this because when again in that podcast I did with Good Energy the the guy there said that the reason most politicians and MPs aren't engaged in climate change is because they don't believe that it's an issue for their constituents and that's kind of our fault for not letting them know that it's important to us so if we let our travel agents our hotels or whatever know that it's important the more of us that do that the more they will as you say they will be driven to change yeah and they will have to educate themselves because a lot of travel agents don't know about it yet yes um you know it's interesting for me being involved in ethical businesses and other ethical industries um obviously i'm very familiar with what's happening in tourism but i see much more consumer interest and demand in other sectors Mm -hmm. so fashion lifestyle beauty products, all these things. So where the consumer interest is currently tends to be tangible products. Yes. Tends to be things that they can get their hands on, they understand, they understand the differences. Yeah. One of the challenges we have in tourism that we talked about earlier is so much is behind scenes and Mm. so much about energy and water and waste and employment practices and services and all this sort of stuff. And it's not obvious to a consumer. It's not easy. It's not one thing. It's not black and white. It's a multitude of things that have to balance. And so that makes it quite complex yeah Um, and I also think that as individuals when we go on holiday it's a bit like you know if you're on diet you go on holiday and you you give up give up your diet if you've got some really good ingrained and it's easy for you to have these systems working at home you go away and you just think oh do you know what I'll just have a couple of weeks off and I'll sod out of a straw and I'll have a (laughs) you know I think there probably is a bit of that mentality when you go on holiday as well yeah and you know it hasn't helped himself with, with the industry language we've had, which is responsible tourism, for example. People don't want to be responsible. <laughs> they want to have a nice time. They want to, yeah. but the, 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 you know, the, the truth is you can have the most amazing holiday and it's sustainable. Yeah. But more than that, sustainability and the attention to detail of all of those things we've talked about, what that brings is a better quality, a better quality often in, um, employment and staff and therefore the sort of relations that you'll have with those staff it brings uh, better food it brings better linen it brings better you know all these things so they're all the quality details that actually the value for money that it then represents is Mm. much better so sustainable sustainability is generally better value in terms of the actual return you'll get from it yeah and what people often say when they've been on holiday with us is they'd forgotten what real tourism's about. Right. And they kind of re-engage with that. And it's about meeting the local people. It's about enjoying the local products. It's about experiencing the local yeah. place for all that it represents. And what you get with mass tourism is a Western-imposed version of yeah. what they think it should be that then removes almost all aspects of community and conservation or anything like that from it. Yeah. And so we've kind of created this horrible capitalist commoditized version of travel yeah 
when we actually all really want to get back to what it was. And do you think, my assumption is that as with ethical fashion and uh, things like that, that the sustainable version of travel would be, be more expensive because it's a true reflection of the, the actual cost it it doesn't have to be because, and the reason that is actually many of the many of the organisations that first get into sustainable tourism when they when they first are getting involved, the reason they do it is the business case because it's the things like the energy and the water and the waste that we talked about that actually, when you have alternative sustainable versions, are mm. much cheaper in the long run. Okay, yeah. Those costs can actually come down. So, other costs. Um, organic local food yeah. doesn't need to be more expensive it's shipped less far you know there's no reason necessarily for things to be more expensive okay, um, great. something like conservation can be because you know we talked about anti-poaching a little bit earlier yeah. I mean having worked in Africa myself and been involved in that sort of thing it's fiery. the costs of anti-poaching um, yeah. units are horrific yeah so almost safari um reserves are almost forced to become five star in order to get enough money right. in order yeah. to finance the anti-poaching stuff they've got to do yeah um, so that's a little bit different but there is no reason and, and part of the reason with earth changes i want to have um you know options from all budgets mm. is positive impact needn't be more expensive it doesn't need to be five star it can be spit and sawdust um I work with an organisation in Madagascar, it's a sustainable development charity, and it's actually one of the few volunteer organisations I work with who are truly very committed to actual positive impact. And it's an amazing experience. It's rough and ready. Yeah. It's camp. It's, um, now, it's not cheap, because if you go to Madagascar for two weeks, it's never going to be cheap. Yeah. You know, that's the least amount of time you can go for. Right. Um, actual a volunteer experience. But it's not $500 a night, you know? Yeah. Um, and travel isn't cheap. I think we have... Unfortunately, like many other in industries, mm. we have come to expect things to cost, yeah. you know, 100 quid, 200 quid. Yeah. Um, and what we have to do is say, what what are we creating if we're taking that type of cheap? Yeah. What's the negative yeah. impact and versus what we could be creating and versus the the difference is the experience that you get. And, you'll and it's, 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 experience. You know, it is a very similar analogy to fast fashion, isn't it? You could have yeah. three really cheap, nasty t-shirts that or you know one really amazing trip a year that you exactly. can feel good about yeah and and you know some people might have one amazing trip every three years or what yeah. have you, but that's you know they spend their three years of money on that what have you yeah. um but yeah you're right I mean I, I see a lot of parallels between sustainable tourism sustainable fashion mm. and I've talked at a few fashion events and the more I talk at these things, the more I hear them talking about their own industry. It's like, yep, it's the same in tourism. All, yeah. all the same issues. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. But I could talk to you for hours, but I'm really aware of the time. So, um, just lastly, where can we come and read all these brilliant blog posts and where can we find you online if we want to follow you? Thanks. So, the website is www.earth-changers.com. Brilliant. All the blogs are on there, all my places, people, purpose, all that information, information about every single sustainable development goal and how it fits in with tourism. Oh, wow. Yes. Big old, probably <laughs> you know, big old articles on those, um, and uh, which I did for as much for the industry as much as, you know, consumer public understanding. Yeah. So a little bit academic here and there, but if people are quite engaged in the subject, then they might find those interesting. Yeah. Climate change is the biggest one. Mm. <laughs> That's a chunky one. Yeah. Um, then Facebook is facebook.com forward slash earthchangers.travel. Brilliant. Um, Instagram at earthchangers, all in one word. Okay. 
Twitter at Earth underscore changes underscore. <laughs> it's always so hard, isn't it? To get... I know. <laughs> I will link to all of these in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so and I'll, I'll give you all the, all the links to the blogs that I've talked about. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Vicky. I can't, the, the knowledge you have is just incredible. And, I, and you know, it is a, it's like sustainable fashion. It's a really complex, you know, there are no golden bullet solutions, but um, I think certainly you've given us lots to, to think about and kind of almost de-demonised travel a little bit. I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, because it really shouldn't be. And it can have, it can have the most amazing positive impacts. And it's just about making sure we choose the right things. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Jen. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small, every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.